Just in case you don't know, we are continuing today our series of rock theology, and the song the band just played was by Coldplay. And uh, when I was reading about the song, it's, it's interesting. The guy who wrote the song is the lead singer. His name's Chris Martin, and at the time, he was married to Gwyneth Paltrow, and he said that it turned out to be one of the most important songs that he ever wrote and one of the most powerful songs for the band. The story behind the song is that her father, Paltrow's father, had died and so as he was trying to minister to his wife, so to speak, he was trying to figure out what he could do, and she basically just looked at him and said, I need you to fix me. And so he wrote that song, and you can get the message of the song in the second verse when he's talking about his wife. He said, when the, the tears come streaming down your face, when you lose something you can't replace, when you love someone but it goes to waste, could it be worse? She had said that the death of her father left a huge void in her life, and all she needed was somebody to fix her. Now, my guess is that there's probably a lot of us who can identify in some way with that feeling, where we have things happen in our lives, where we, we go through struggles and in relationships, where you might be struggling in marriage, you might be having difficulties in your finances, you might have some things that happen to you concerning your health, and, and you sort of look around and, and you feel alone, and then you just wonder, is there anybody who can fix me? And I think that's one of those powerful things that we learn in Scripture, is that we have a God who has a desire, who has a hope and a love for you in such a way that He wants to fix you. You know, I love Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. It says, My soul praise Yahweh in all that is within me. Praise His holy name. My soul praise the Lord and do not forget all His benefits. He forgives all your sin. He heals all your disease. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with goodness your youth is renewed like the eagle. As we look to the book of Luke, what we discover as we go through the book of Luke is you discover that one thing that God is interested in is you. And it doesn't matter how broken or busted up you are, God's interest in you is so great that he has a desire to reach into your life and fix you. And you could be thinking, is there anything that can be done for a person like me? And the answer to that question is absolutely yes. And that's why today we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, look, uh, look with me in Luke chapter 5 and we'll look in verse number 12. And as you go through the book of Luke, you will see that it was written to show everybody that there is good news for everyone. And this really kicks off at the very beginning of the book of Luke. It, it talks about the birth of Jesus. And as Jesus had come into the world, there were some angels that went to some shepherds in a field. And they said to them in Luke 2.10, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. And the Bible says that will be for all the people. And so one of the messages that is for all the people is that God desires to fix you. 
Now, the guy we're going to look at in our text in Luke 5, verses 12 through 15, we're going to see that he was a guy who was a mess. Now, he was a guy who was physically a wreck, and what he needed more than anything else was somebody to fix him. And so in our text today, what we're going to see is we're going to see a few steps that Jesus took in this man's life in order to fix him. And I really believe this. I believe that the same steps that Jesus took for this guy in our text are the same steps that Jesus is willing to take in your life in order to fix you. So, so what are some steps that Jesus takes to fix people? Well, the very first thing that I see in our text today is that Jesus, when he fixes people, the first thing that he does is he reaches out to people. And we can see this in verses 12 and 13. It says, while he, Jesus, was in one of the towns, a man was there who had a serious skin disease all over him. And he saw Jesus, fell face down, and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And reaching out his hand, he touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately the disease left him. Now, if you grew up in the church, you know that Jesus grew up in, in northern Israel. Of course, he was in Nazareth, he was in Capernaum, grew up right on the Sea of Galilee. And so because he grew up there, a lot of the people that he met had something to do with the fishing industry. And so in our text, it is early in Jesus' ministry. And so what had happened before is Jesus is on the Sea of Galilee he meets a few guys, Peter, James, and John. You may have heard of them. They were fishermen. And so they were on a boat. They'd been out fishing all night, and they'd been casting their nets. They hadn't caught anything, which sounds very familiar to my kind of fishing. And so Jesus, who is a carpenter, gets on the boat with them, and he's kind of walking. You know, I, I can just see him kind of tooling around in the water. And Jesus, these guys are tired. And Jesus says, hey, guys, why don't you throw out your net on the other side of the boat? Now remember, Jesus is not a fisherman. These guys are, and I'm sure they're thinking, we know a lot about fishing, you don't know anything, we're tired, we're ready to go back in, but they like Jesus. And they said, okay, well we'll throw in our nets on the other side. And so wanting to be obedient to Jesus, they get their nets, they throw the net out on the other side, and something phenomenal happens. Their nets are so loaded down with fish, the boat begins to sink. How awesome is that? If there's any fishermen in here, y'all, I'm sure we would all say we are willing to drown and die if our boat goes down because it is so overwhelmed with fish. Now, they, they had to look at themselves and think, we made a good choice here being obedient to Jesus. Now, Jesus wanted to affirm them in their obedience because right after that story, we get to verse number 12. And so they're still on this little boat trip. And they continue to go across the lake, the Sea of Galilee, and they go to the other side. And when they get there, they get out of the boat, they're walking around, and they come across a guy who has leprosy. Now, our text says that it's a skin disease. It's also translated leprosy. And let me tell you something. Back in this day, when you had leprosy, there was no cure for it. Whenever you got the disease, what they would tell you to do is they say, you have to leave all populated areas. They would put you outside of the city gates. And whenever you walked around, if somebody happened to come to you, you had to cover up your face and yell out to them, unclean. 
Now that is, I mean, y'all, that is, uh, that is not a self-esteem building moment. I mean, you're away from everybody, you're isolated. The Bible, Leviticus 13, describes what you're to do if you have this disease. It says, the person afflicted with an infectious skin disease is to have his clothes torn and his hair hanging loose. He must cover his mouth and cry out, unclean, unclean. And he will remain unclean as long as he has the infection. He is unclean. He must live alone in a place outside the camp. Now I look at that and I think that is what you call a hopeless situation. You can't be touched. You can't be ministered to. You're on your own. And if you have leprosy, there's no cure. All you are destined for is simply to die alone. Now that is why whenever you look throughout scripture, when leprosy is mentioned, a lot of times it is a metaphor for sin. Because that is exactly what sin does to us. Whenever we live outside of the bounds of God's direction and leadership, sin will isolate you, it will separate you from God, and it will eat away at your very soul until eventually it will destroy you. Psalm 66, 18 says, if I have sin in my heart, if I regard sin in my heart, the Bible says God will not hear me. And so in a very similar sense here, sin causes us to live outside of the camp, outside of the city gates. Now in our text, what that meant, of course, is that you had to be isolated from everybody else. Because if you have a sickness like this, it's infectious. And so it can spread to other people. So they want to put you away so that you don't make anybody else sick. Now you have to think, man, how lonely would that kind of a life be? I mean, you wouldn't have contact with anybody. You'd be a pariah in society. You'd be hopeless until you died. Now while we don't really struggle with leprosy today, y'all, we still struggle with sin today. And that, that's what sin does. Sin, sin separates us. It moves us away from God. It causes us to have a sense of hopelessness. And, and there could be some of you who have some things going on in your life right now that you know shouldn't be there and you feel alone. And in your spirit, you're just like this man who had leprosy and you are sitting there saying, I just need somebody to fix me. And here's one of the great things to know. That the God of this Bible wants to fix you. And I want you to be encouraged. If you look in verse 13, remember this man cannot be touched by anybody. But then in verse 13, here's what it says about Jesus and how he responded to this man. It says, reaching out his hand, he touched him. Now that doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but you have to remember, very possibly this guy has not been touched by anybody weeks, months, maybe years. And yet what I see in this text is that we serve a God who is willing to reach into the mess of our lives and touch us. So we don't serve a God who lives in a, a bubble where he's trying to separate himself and stay away from people who are, who are overcome with disease. What Jesus desires 
is to reach into your life as you are outside of the camp and grab you and pull you back inside the camp and renovate your life. You know, one of the most popular shows on television is uh, the show Fixer Upper. And I don't know if y'all watch that show. It's you know, Chip and Joanna Gaines on that show. And what they'll do is, you know, they'll have the, the client will come in. They'll have a few, a few sort of dilapidated like homes and say, now we're going to fix this home up. You know, which one do you want? And they'll go through and they'll pick a home. And then they do this like incredible work on the house. I mean, have you ever seen this show where you, where you came away and said, that, that house looks horrible? Uh, every time I watch it, like, these people are like geniuses. I mean, I watch it and I would look at Emily and go, Emily, we could do this, Emily. And we could have our own show. And then she reminds me, I don't know the difference between a screwdriver and a hammer. And I'm like, you're right, we can't do this. But, but it's a great show because it shows something that is broken, that is restored and fixed. And I thought, you know, the very first episode of Fixer Upper wasn't Chip and Joanna Gaines. It was God. You know, God is in the business of looking for people whose lives are a wreck and he will reach in, he will renovate them, and make them more valuable than they were before. And here's a great thing to know. It is Jesus who begins that process. He is the one who reaches out. Again, verse 13, and Jesus, reaching out his hand, touched him. God's reaching out to you. He's already done it. We're told in Romans 5, 8, That God demonstrates his own love towards us in this, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He took the first step. So how does Jesus fix people? Well, here's the first step he takes. He reaches out to us. He's already done it with you. He reaches out to fix people. The second step Jesus takes to fix people is this. He revives people. Now, he will reach out to you, but he doesn't just stop there. When he reaches out to you and he touches your life, then he's going to revive you. And you see that in verse 13. It says, reaching out his hand, he touched him, saying, I am willing be made clean. And immediately the disease left him. Now, can, can you think of some things in your life that need to be revived? You know, some things in your life where you say, you know what, when I look at my life, these are some areas where I, you know, I really need to be recharged here. I need to be re-energized here. I need to be revived here. Now, I look at the guy in our text. It's pretty easy to see. This is a guy that needs to be revived because he is heading down a path where he is going to die. And he needs to be touched so that his life will be changed. Now, now my guess is that this guy did everything in his power to get better. Nothing was working. I'm sure he tried every homeopathic remedy that there was. But it didn't work. He was a complete outcast. He was desperate for help. And it's interesting to me that Jesus walks by this guy as he is desperate for help. As he walks by this guy, now I don't know why this guy didn't seek out Jesus sooner. In our text it says that his entire body was covered with this this disease. Uh, Other versions of the Bible will say he was covered from head to toe. So now now he sees Jesus and he knows, he's he's heard stories about Jesus, had to have. He's heard stories that Jesus heals people. So he sees Jesus and he's like, Jesus do something for me here. Heal me. Now, I'm thinking, if that's me, you know, when the disease covers me, like maybe from my head to my shoulders, I'm looking for Jesus. I don't know how y'all are, but when I get sick, I mean, like, immediately, I want to be healed now. 
You know, I, I'm not one of those guys that can tough it out for weeks. You know, I've been sick for a long time, but I guess now I'll go to the doctor. That's not me, brother. I'm going immediately because I was this body was not made for pain, right? So I'm not going to do that. So I'm looking at I'm looking at the leper, and the leper he's covered from head to toe. Yeah, we, we don't have to wait until we are that desperate to call out to Jesus. And Jesus is not looking for you to be in pain. I mean, in John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus is only waiting for you to call out to him. And when you call out, he responds. I look at the leper. He asked Jesus, said, are you willing to make me clean? Jesus said, I'm willing. And then Jesus touched him, and what happened? If you, if you look again in verse 13, it says, And immediately the disease left him. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things here. First of all, it does not matter where you are in your life right now. Your, your life could be an absolute train wreck today. It, your life might be in shambles right now. You might have relationships that are disintegrating all around you right now. But I want you to know something. Even if you're not in the same zip code as God, Jesus is willing. Willing to what? Willing to make you clean. In verse 13, Jesus said, I am willing. That word willing It's a great word. It means to be fond of, to desire. Think about that. Jesus is fond of making people clean. Now, I think sometimes we get it backwards. We think, you know what, man, I am so messed up and screwed up. God doesn't want anything to do with me. No, that's not right. That is totally inaccurate. God desires He enjoys, he has fun making people right. He likes it. There's a place in Washington in Seattle called Pike Place Market. There's a couple things it's known for, but one of the things it's known for is its gum wall. Uh, People will walk by this wall and they will tell you it's become a tradition. I don't know how it starts. And they'll come by, you can see the picture of it. They'll take their gum out, and they'll stick it on the bricks. Isn't that great? Um, the, the, they put so much gum on it, the wall actually, the, that wall actually got eight feet higher as the gum just got bigger and bigger. It's the 54-foot thick wall, so much gum on it, and uh, it's weird, but people love to do it. They estimate there's about 150 pieces of gum on each brick. Uh, there's a guy in our church in the first service, he, sh- he went there and he showed me a picture of it. It was the, gr- the gum is like dripping down. I mean, it's unreal how much gum's on there. Now, uh, it, it's gotten so bad, though, that the gum, the sugar in the gum has actually started to erode the brick. And so after over 20 years of not cleaning that wall, they had to go in and just absolutely power wash all that gum off of it because the sugar in the gum was eroding the wall. Now, I, I looked at that, and I thought, you know, maybe from a distance, that's not necessarily the best picture, but, but from a distance, that, that's what sin's like. You know, from, from it, 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 it's shiny, it's a lot of different colors, it's colorful, it tastes good, you know, it's fun to do. Let me tell you something, if we keep messing with it, eventually that sin is going to start eroding your bricks. 
And so what that means is you need to be scrubbed. Now, here's the question. How many of you are ready for a good scrubbing? Because you have to be ready. Now, how does that happen for us? Well, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, whenever Jesus touched the leper, the scripture says that that disease immediately left him. It was gone. Now, if you allow Jesus to touch you, to clean you, he's going to give you freedom and security. Now, now, some of us are saying, I I need to be fixed. I need somebody to touch me because I'm broken. And and I see the lessons that Jesus shows us and how he does that. He, He is reaching out to you right now. And if you will allow him to touch you, you will accept his forgiveness and you will follow him, then he begins to do another work in your life and he begins to revive you and get rid of that junk in your life. And then the last step I see Jesus takes to fix people is that he then releases people. And we see this in verse number 14. After Jesus healed him, it says, Then he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priests and offer what Moses prescribed for your cleansing as a testimony to them. But the news about him spread even more, and large crowds would come together to hear him and be healed of their sickness. Now, I don't know why Jesus, I'm not real sure why Jesus told the guy, don't tell anybody that it was me who did this for you. There's a lot of different theories as to why he did that. It could be that Jesus, he knew if he told people, there would be a ton of crowds be pressing in on him. He'd have a hard time getting to where he needed to go. Other other thoughts are that he didn't want people just simply focusing on the show, but he wanted them to know about who he was and the forgiveness he offers. Not sure, but here's what I know. Jesus healed that guy. And when he healed the guy, then Jesus prescribed something for him to do. He said, now I want you to do what Moses told you to do, to go to the priest Now, this is back, you know, you have to go back, like, to the book of Leviticus. And when you had a disease and then you were healed from it, what you were to do is you were to go to the priest at the temple. Say, you can look me over. I'm clean. Tell me. You'll give me the okay. And so the priest would look him over. And then if the guy had all the disease gone, they would then offer up a sacrifice to God. And then you know what the guy got to do after that? Move back home. He didn't have to go back outside the gates anymore. Now, I think it's interesting, Jesus, after Jesus heals the man, Jesus did not tell the man, hey, come hang out with me so that when I do my next healing, then I can point to you and say, hey, here's exhibit A. You know, like a circus or something. Jesus didn't tell him that. He said, you go back to the temple, and then they're going to, they're going to offer sacrifices, and then I want you to go home. Now, why do you think Jesus would do that? Because when the guy went home, what do you think people are going to say when they saw the guy who had leprosy before, and now they see him living back home. What do you think they're going to do? What are you doing here? Hey, what happened to your disease? What do you think he's going to say? He's going to say, I met this guy named Jesus. And man, he took away my disease. He touched me. And let me tell you something. Immediately, I was healed. You know, immediately, my life was changed. Jesus wanted to release him back into his zone of home so that he would tell people who are broken and messed up that there is a God who wants to fix them. 
Now, there are some of you, and you've experienced God's touch on your life. But you know what I think is really easy for us to do when that happens? It's for us just simply to hang around in our little safe spaces and hang around with a bunch of people just like us and never get out and let anybody else know what Jesus has done. Jesus, thank you, but I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to stay in this little safe cocoon. Did you know Jesus called for his followers to be a light in the world? Now, if we're going to be a light in the world, then that means if you're going to be a, a light, you've got you to gotta shine where there's no light, where there's darkness. Now, I'm not saying that, that you go and you know, become a criminal so that you can shine your light in jail. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's, there's people that you know, people you have relationships with, people that, that you might work with who don't know Jesus. You need to shine the light of Jesus on them. So how do I do that? Pray for them. Let them know how Jesus, I mean, people that are your friends, you can tell them how Jesus has changed your life. You see, God wants people who were broken to know that they can be fixed. Now, I think some of us have the idea that if we're going to follow God, it means I have to live my life feeling guilty all the time. And be reminded all the time of, of, how, of how ungodly that I've been. No, that's, that's not who... That's not Jesus' business. Now, he convicts us of sin, but you know what Jesus does? He fixes people. And it's always a shame whenever there are people who won't be fixed when they can be fixed. And so they live in darkness when they don't have to anymore. There's a really interesting story about a, a Japanese soldier in 1944. He's on the island of Guam. And when the tides of the war began to change, he went and hid in a cave for 28 years. He uh, was able to survive on nuts, mangoes, and other vermin that would wander around, but he didn't want to be caught by anybody. And so he hid out in the cave when he'd see people, he'd hide from them. Nobody knew that he was there. 28 years. 1972, war ended in 45, but 1972, uh, there's a couple of guys hunting, and they came across this cave, and they found that man inside. And they, had, they talked him out of the cave, and he finally, for the first time, that war that had ended 27 years before, finally ended for him. Now think about that. Did he have to live like that anymore? No. What did he need? He needed somebody to shine the light on him. To let him know that he didn't have to live in prison anymore. Now, you need to know, and I need to know, that Jesus offers healing and Jesus wants to reach into the deepest part of your life and fix you. That's what he's here for. Now you might be skeptical and you think but you don't understand all the chaos that has been going on in my life. Let me see let me tell you here's what I know. Here's what this is what scripture says. And when I look into scripture I see that Jesus he reaches out to people. You'll see that all through the New Testament, even the Old Testament. He reaches out to people. And then when he touches people, he revives people. And then he releases people to share the light of God's hope. Now here's the big question for all of us. How many of you need to be fixed? And really the question is, how many of you long to be fixed? And it could be it could be you need to be fixed emotionally, maybe physically, or spiritually. And I want you to know that God's desire is to fix you.
Now here's what I'd like for us to do. I'd just like for us to, to bow our heads and, and to close our eyes. Nobody's going to be looking around. This is between you and the Lord. But I just want to ask you just a real basic, simple question. Do you want to be fixed? Do you want God to reach into your life and touch you? Because if you do, then I, I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. Like I said, no, I don't want anybody looking around. But if you, you say, you know, there are some things that I'm dealing with in my life, and I just need help. I just, I, I need, I am desperate for somebody to just simply pray for me. And with nobody looking around, if you say, you know, I, I am that, I am a person who needs someone to pray for them. Would you just, just very briefly, you can just slip up your hand. I'll just look at it. And God knows who you are anyway. Could you just slip up your hand? Amen. God bless you. See your hands. Amen. All right, now what I'm going to do, God, God knows you. What I'm going to do is I'm just simply going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the people here who have just slipped up their hands saying, God, I, I need your help. So, Lord, you already know them, but, Lord, I just in seeing their hands, God, I just want to lift them up to you. And I just want to pray and ask, God, that, that, you, will, that you will do a work in their lives, God. God, that you will let them know through your word, through, through song, through encouragement from friends. Lord, that you would remind them that you are with them. Lord, I pray that you will bring to mind for them the promises that you give in Scripture. Promises like if God be for us, then who can be against us? Promises like as far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed their transgressions from them. Lord, promises like Jesus gave when he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God, I pray that you will give them strength and courage. Now, there might be others of you here today, and you say, you know, if I'm honest, I'd have to say that I, I need to have the walls of my life scrubbed. I need to be clean. I need to follow Jesus. And I want to. Well, if you want to, Jesus said, I'm willing. And so where you're seated, I just encourage you to just simply call out on the name of Jesus and pray something like this. Say, dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you lived and that you died and that you rose from the grave and I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Lord, to clean me up. I want to walk with you now, Jesus. Come into my life and save me. Fix me.